Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's episode, we are on the road to California to speak with Rudy Salo. Rudy is a lawyer, writer, producer, actor, and director. His latest short film is called Fortune Cookie, which comes out next month, and is the co-host of the podcast, Good is in the Details. So, Rudy, welcome to the Relatable Voice. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Uh, it's a, um, a real, really looking forward to this wonderful conversation. Yes, I was really looking forward to talking with you. So, your background is Lebanese. That's correct. Yes, my mom's side of the family is um, originally, they're all from Lebanon. Um, they, half of her brothers and sisters were born in Lebanon. She herself was, the family moved uh, to, to Jordan and that's where she met my, my father and my father's family. They grew up together, my father and my mother. And um, my father immigrated to the United States in the 60s from Jordan. And my mom followed about six years later and they got married. I was born here in downtown Los Angeles, uh, so I've, I'm, a, I'm a native Californian, which is very rare. You know, when you come to California, you meet people from all over the world, and I, I'm actually born here, though my family is from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, Rudy, I've been to Lebanon before, and I loved my time there. Biblos, in particular, was so nice, and I even have Lebanese food once a week now. So once a week, I really drive to another city just to have Lebanese food. And we are going to talk about your childhood in a bit. But have you ever been to Lebanon? Yes, twice. Yes, I've been to I've been to Jordan three times and I've been to Lebanon twice. Um, One time was the first time was in 2005. Um, A cousin of mine was getting married there. And spent about uh, spent about a week there, staying with some family, staying in some hotels, and loved it. We stayed in mostly in Beirut, but was able to go to the Bekaa Valley, uh, check out the, the ruins at Baalbek. Mm. Um, my uncle, who was driving us around, was telling me where my the, the family the history is from, and so he you know pointed out these villages and, and everything, and it was fascinating. And then the second time, I actually went um, just for a couple of days. Uh, my wife and I were. We, were, we weren't married then, but we did a little Middle Eastern tour before we got married, and we were able to go then. Have not been back since 2008, unfortunately, as you know, as you know and the world knows, it's a pretty tragic situation there at the moment. Um, did go to Jordan in 2012 for another wedding, was there for about a week. I have not been back. Um, my family that currently lives in Jordan is actually in the process of moving here. Mm-hmm. Um, Inflation, maybe we worry about inflation here in the United States. It's the big buzzword, but it, it's really killing things over there. It's a major, major problem. It's a, not, a, not a good situation, unfortunately. So I don't know when I'll go back. 
that's that's the problem. I'd like to go back. I just don't know when. Yeah, I heard about it. I've heard that in Lebanon they are having problems with electricity. Correct. Correct. Yeah, they are. I mean, that's a. It's not a new problem. Um, they, their, the infrastructure that they have there is uh, not properly maintained. Um, I'm sure you or others are probably well aware of that big explosion that literally blew up their port. Uh, that's just you know lack of government oversight, uh, poor infrastructure, uh, uh, poor maintenance. And that's a major, major, major problem. And, you know, it's one of the major differences between the United States and other countries. While here in the United States, we, 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 we like to scare everybody and say, oh, the bridges are falling down and our infrastructure is going to hell and, and everything's terrible. Really, when you look at other countries, we are far and above better off. And that, that's, it, it's interesting. I tie the whole thing to infrastructure because that's what I do. That's my day job. Um, I'm a lawyer by day and I do infrastructure finance. So I help build roads, schools, colleges, airports, ports, transportation systems throughout the United States. And so I know the ins and outs of, of how to build and maintain more uh, to finance infrastructure. So it was interesting that you brought, brought that point up about Lebanon and, and the power. It's, it's a tragic story. Yeah, unfortunately. And you were telling me you were born in, in Los Angeles. So what was it like growing up in an immigrant household? Great question. Um, and I have a lot to say about it because it, it had some major impacts on me, some good, some bad. So I, as I said, I was born in the late 1970s. So I, I pretty much grew up in the 1980s, which, you know, 1980s in general, you look back at it, I'm still very nostalgic about it. Some of the greatest movies, some of the greatest music. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Me too. It was all, yeah, it's just, it was just the best. I mean, thank God I got to grow up during that. The that best. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say that because what I'm about to talk about, since you asked the question, is you know, growing up during the 1980s as an Arab American was very difficult because of the situ of the civil war in Lebanon and, and the ramifications of that. And every night on the news, you, you'd hear these terrible stories about terrorism or plane hijackings and it just very, very negatively focused news on the Middle East and, and Arabs in particular, uh, whether, whether you're Muslim or Christian is kind of Arabs, uh, Arabs were the, the enemy. I mean, we were, we were, it was just terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. You hear this association uh, people speaking uh, the language of, that your grandmother and your mother are speaking to you and you're hearing it on the news that, that oh, those bad guys speak that? What, why the hell would I speak such a language? Arabic was my first language, but I stopped it. I just, I didn't want anything to do with it. Of course, immediately, the 80s immediately become the 90s. And at the very beginning of the 90s, you have the, um, the first Iraq war. You have Saddam invading Kuwait, and then you have the whole world going up against um, Iraq. And, and here in Southern California, I distinctly remember this, you had people driving around in their cars and they had bumper stickers of, uh, of an Arab on a camel, and they had a target around it. And it, and it, it said, I'm going to smoke me some camels. I mean, you're a 13-year-old kid, and you're like, wow, this is really scary so I told my parents, don't speak Arabic in public. You know, it's caused a lot of problems, but 
it wasn't easy. It was very, very difficult to, to, to be Arab. The strange thing is, is my name is Rudy Sallow. My, 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 our last name was changed a hundred years ago to, to make it sound either Spanish or Italian for whatever reason. And then my dad gave me kind of an ambiguous name. So I wouldn't have the same racism problems that he did. And I, and I don't look, I look, yeah, I look even less Arabic now than I did when I was younger. Um, but I could pass as white. I, I just could. And so I did. Uh, I, I got really into the punk rock scene in Orange County in the 1990s. That was great. That was when you had Sublime and No Doubt. and It, it was fantastic. The problem was, was tons of skinheads uh, running around, white supremacists everywhere. And so it was this very strange world of, well, gee, like, what is it to be white? And who are these guys that are these white supremacists? And very odd, odd things, you know, an effect on, on a young brain. I went to college. I studied Middle Eastern history, Middle Eastern politics, truly like had a renaissance, like a re-review of, of my, my background and my history, really got into it, wanted to go to law school. I went to law school at Georgetown. It's a good international law school. I personally wanted to solve the Middle Eastern, you know, the, the crises. I wanted to bring peace to the world. Lo and behold, while I'm in law school, 9-11 happens. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, more tragedy. And then two years later, we invade Iraq again. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's been very, it was very, it's very, very, the, 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 the psyche of, a, of an Arab American during, during my vintage is, it's very difficult. And, and that ultimately led me, uh, as a part of my healing process, it led me to start writing, um, writing screenplays, uh, writing you know, dystopian science fiction novels that, but that, that have some kind of bases uh, of my psyche. And so, but for those experience, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be the creative person I was today. And I got into punk rock um, as like a healing process because punk rock, you know, so pretty much says, Hey, it's okay to be angry. If you're angry about something that, that you should be angry about, it's okay. You know, fight back, have, fight for equity, fight for good things. And I became a musician, you know, for, for a number of years. And th there are there are benefits to going through difficult times. I mean, I, I think I'm the unique person that I am today because of those difficult times. Um, I, I, very long-winded answer to your question. Mm. Hope, I, hope, I, hope I answered it, though. You answered, and that must be, that must have been quite traumatic. It's so unfair that kids like you had to suffer through that. Hmm? Yes, absolutely. Uh, kids like me did, and kids today still do. I mean, I think there's still a negative connotation. It, things have gotten a lot better. You know, um, uh, I think with the diversity and inclusion um, initiatives, I think people eating Arabic food is, has helped out. I think mm -hmm. the fact that there's more Arabs here in the United States, and so people can get to know them and realize that, hey, look, there are Arab terrorists out there. There are, there are some bad, there's some bad people out there. There, there definitely are, you know, but they're a small minority, just like, you know, white supremacists, they're a small minority. And there's always bad in every group. You can't, you can't paint, you can't paint an entire culture based upon a, a few bad apples. Unfortunately, there just weren't enough good, quote unquote, good, normal Arabs around when I was growing up. So we just kind of got painted as, as negative, but things are a lot better these days. But, but going back, 
it was still awesome growing up in the 1980s. And if I could go back, I would. If even if I had to suffer, I, the, the, I'm telling you, the music, the 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 movies, the movie theaters, the malls, the you know, the, our our one enemy was one big enemy was the USSR. Things were a little simpler back then. It, it, look, it, it was it was a great time to grow, grow up as well, and and I, and I love it, and I, and I feel very fortunate for it. Yes, I feel the same, and I feel as if I'm still stuck there in the eighties. I Me too. I think that nowadays the perception of Arabs in the U.S. is way better. What do you think? Yes, I, I, I wholeheartedly. Do we have a long way to go? Absolutely, we do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do think you know people like Rami Malek. Uh, yeah, Rami Malek, phenomenal actor. Uh, Rami Youssef, these these Arab Americans, yeah. um, whether they're Muslim or Christian, doesn't matter. Having having their names out there and like you know people liking their shows and liking their comedy and, and liking that type of stuff is so helpful. And, and that, and, and truly, that's one of the other reasons why I, I'm also in entertainment. That's why I do the acting and I do the writing and I do all that stuff in addition to my day job as a lawyer, because I want to be one of those Arab Americans that puts out interesting stories, um, not necessarily from, from an Arab American point of view, but, but using some of my background to tell interesting stories and expand the universe of, of, of what's out there. Um, that's what attracts me to it. I, I think that the power of storytelling is, uh -huh. is huge in, in, in healing and in bringing people together. That and food. I mean, the reality is Arabic food's the best food on earth. I mean, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win that argument with me. So you get some food, you get some entertainment, you get people together, you, then differences start to simmer down in my opinion. Yeah. And it's not often you meet a lawyer who also makes movie. And your latest film is called Fortune Cookie. I actually keep a fortune. I How many? How many do you keep? I keep only one and I will tell okay. you why. It's tell me, please. This is good. This is, this is the reason why I wrote the film, please. I got this fortune when I was pregnant. So it was okay. like... 20 something years ago. And why I kept it? Because it said, very soon you will be on top of the world. Ah, uh, yeah, that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. And that's true. When you have children, that what you will be. Yes. And I kept it because I said, this is for good look. I kept it in my wallet. I'm so happy that you did. And I'm so happy that it was just one. What I started noticing, I was going through some difficult times. It was it was right around the time when like I was having kids, and so my wife's a surgeon, and I'm a lawyer, and I do all this other stuff. So our, my schedule is crazy, and it was very very difficult times. I started noticing, you see it? I was collecting forty or fifty fortunes. I literally had one day. I looked and I had a stack of these of these things, and, and I would go through them every once in a while to make make myself feel better. And then I realized. This is crazy. This is this is serious. I am I this is this is nuts. What is wrong with me? And 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 and, and a story sparked. And I created a story kind of out of it and I wrote this short script um about a guy. It's kind of amorphous. It's it's not me. It's definitely not me, but about a guy who is convinced he can control his surroundings, control his future. Uh, by way of these fortunes and 
And one day, lo and behold, he goes to his favorite place and he opens up a cookie. There's no fortune in it. And, and from, from, from him not having that fortune, his life turns upside down and he is forced ultimately to kind of live with ambiguities. And so the whole story is about letting go of control, living with ambiguities. You're never, you, no matter what you try to do, you're actually never going to get an answer. You're just not like you must go through life with that mentality. And so that's what, that's what the film's about. But, but it was, it was, it was a result of me collecting all of these fortunes. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. Some of those fortunes that I had collected made it into the film. Like there's, there's a little scene in there. So yeah, that was fortune cookie. Wow. I, I'm so curious to watch these. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. It's great. It's only six and a half minutes long. And uh, it's, it's, it was fun. Uh, we, I put it into a whole bunch of film festivals internationally did very, very well. It won a couple of awards. Uh, it, was, it was the first time I ever directed. I don't know. I don't know anything about directing. Probably the last time I ever directed. Uh, but I wrote it, produced it. Uh, a buddy of mine, also a up-and-coming actor, want, call us wannabe actors, whatever. We, we grabbed a couple of people together uh, in the middle of COVID. We were so bummed that because that there was no filming. We're like, we're going to do something. And so he hit me up. He's like, do you write? Do you have anything? I go, you know, I got this thing, it's called Fortune Cookie. I think we could bang it out over like two days. Let me send it to you. I have a part for you. I sent it to him. He's like, dude, perfect. I have these two people in mind. We got these actors and then we got some, some extras and we filmed it at a, at, a, at a Japanese restaurant right next door to his work. And, and, and then we filmed the other part at his work. And so it was something to do during COVID. Like it was as a result of us, of, uh, of movie production and not getting any roles, but it forced us to do something on our own. And, and that's what's really awesome about it. That's what's really cool. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And it's so difficult to accept that you can't control everything. And the, this pandemic taught us. Amen. It, oh, that, it's a beautiful story um, for the pandemic. It really is. It truly is a great like kind of allegory for what's going on in the world at that time. You know, I think 10, 20 years when it's still around and people are like, well, what was going on when you when you filmed that or, or finished writing that? I was like, wow, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And mm. if, if you don't know by now, you don't control anything in your life. Mm. And I, I am partially a control freak. I mean, I just am. I want to control everything. And so in a way, this movie is is therapy for me to just be like, Hey man, you you know nothing and you control nothing. Just keep keep moving forward and keep being nice to people and keep being curious and life will be okay. Yeah, exactly. And Rudy, you are the film's writer, director, producer, and actor. What was it like juggling these roles? Um, scary because I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I literally, I had no idea. And I relied, I relied heavily on, it'll be okay. Like, I, I, we're not going to produce anything that's perfect. This isn't going to be something that's perfect. It's very interesting because it's like this yin and yang thing. Like, if you always try to go for perfectionism, I feel like you don't actually accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that it would be, some kind of a work product would be done in the editing process. And we got a phenomenal editor. 
he edited the film. He kind of did his own spin on it. He, he put the music in it and he was just phenomenal. And he and I worked together over a year. I mean, it took us a year to edit a, that short film. No kidding. There's a whole backstory of that. The, the, there was this huge fire in Lake Tahoe and, and this guy's house almost burned down and his parents had to rescue the computer. And lo and behold, they rescued the computer and then he gets carjacked in San Francisco. We have to start over from scratch. Crazy, crazy. No control, no control. You have no control over life. So there's there's interesting things regarding that in, in the movie too. But I just, I had a feeling that something would 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 come out of, of it um if we, if we if we put enough care in the editing process could it have been better absolutely it totally could have but it was covid um i didn't know i first time director you know i mean i i listened to some podcasts went on to youtube came up with a seamless i mean i had done filming for a while and screenwriting for a while so i knew enough and luckily it was a short film you know and i and i think it was a great experience and what I learned from it is I should let other people direct because those people are the pros. I did it once. That's cool. Um, I can, at least I could say I did it once, but um, there are truly professionals out there that, that know what they're doing. Fortune cookie was, was, was just lucky and it came together and, and yeah, we're really, we're really proud of it. Yeah. Amazing. And Rudy, as if you were not busy enough, you also co-host the podcast good is in the details can you tell us about it oh yeah i'd love to and i and i love i love that podcast very much it's it's it was created uh, by a high school friend of mine dr gwendolyn dolsky she's a uh, philosophy professor at a uh, cal poly uh, pomona uh, university very well known public university here in california um, in Los Angeles. And um, I had done podcasting um, um, prior to, to when she put this together. I was, a, I was a kind of a co, I was a guest host. I was a transportation correspondent on one a podcast. And then I started going on to a whole bunch of other podcasts. She reached out to me and said, Hey, look, like, would you want to come in and, you know, be a co host occasionally on this, and, you know, help me out with it? I said, Absolutely. Like, you're very smart. I love your, you know, you, you, you're really focusing on, on, on issues that I think are very, very important, i.e. how to live a better life, uh, how to get more equity to people in the world, you know, women, minorities, everything. I mean, these are issues that are near and dear to my heart. You're focused on diversity, you're focused on education, and you're focused on how to think differently about things, how to apply the, the lessons of philosophy to everyday life situations to make your life better. I said, I love that because I need a lot of help. Like I could, maybe I can use some of that philosophy. So uh -huh. not only am I going to be a co-host, I'm going to be like a patient and try to apply these things from our experts. And, and it's been great. The show has evolved. Um, we're about 90 episodes in. Uh, this summer is going to be our third year anniversary. Uh, things really ramped up during COVID. That's when I officially became a co-host and the ability to do Zoom was like, well, we can, you know, everyone's doing podcasts on Zoom now. Great. Let's pump out some episodes. Mm -hmm. And we have, we, we talk about, we do talk about a lot of very serious things. We talk about a lot of fun things too. We bring filmmakers on and we talk about their films and how they apply in everyday life. We, we focus on current events. We focus on pop culture. We focus on comedy and, um, um, cancel culture. We, we focus on the, the dangers and benefits of social media. And it, it, the great thing is that there's this, 
there's always this backbone of, of, the, of the major tenets and lessons of philosophy that Gwen will bring in and try to apply to everyday life. And, it, and, and, and of course, me being a lawyer, I kind of bring in legal uh, background as well. So it, it, it's phenomenal. I, I highly recommend it. I was listening to it and I really, really like, I am already subscribed and it's a Thank you. very good, very good podcast. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I don't know how you find time for doing all these things, but <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's interesting because there's an episode, um, a couple episodes ago about the power of creativity, where I talked about why I do all the things that I do. And basically what it came to that comes down to is when I went to law school, I put down the bass guitar. I stopped music and I said, no more. No more creative stuff. I'm only going to focus on the law. I put my tunnel vision on. You know, I'm taking on this massive amounts of student debt. Uh, if I don't do this wholeheartedly, go all in, then you know, I feel like I'm going to fail. And I did that. I went all in, and I really was just focused on the law and becoming successful. Ten years out, you know, after practicing for ten years, I become partner at my firm, and that's great. And that's success. And like you think, oh yeah, oh happiness should just come like that. No. I was miserable. I was absolutely 100% miserable. I knew immediately that I needed to tap into my creative side again. And that's what I started to do. I started taking lessons in public speaking. Um, I took lessons in improv. I took a lot of writing lessons and I started putting down my stories in, in, on pen to paper. And that's when I did my first screenplay, which is White Like Me, which is award-winning screenplay it was supposed to be made into a movie, but COVID shut it down, but hopefully something will happen um, on it. It's semi-autobiographical. I also wrote a book under a pen name, uh, the science fiction dystopian book, wrote some screenplays, yeah, eventually wrote Fortune Cookie. And, and, and that, let's see, that's why I am happy. Yes, yes, I totally get it. I sound like a crazy person because I'm doing all these things and I don't have any time, but I'm happy. And, and I think happy, and as a result of the happiness, I've been successful in the law and I've been successful in coaching other people. And, and I also teach, I'm a, I'm a law professor um, at, a, at, a, at a university. And, and I, try to, I try to impart the importance of happiness to my students. And I do truly believe that doing something creative is how you find happiness. You don't necessarily need to do that creative thing 24 seven all day long. It's okay to have a day job. But find something that gives you joy. It doesn't necessarily have to pay the bills, but do something that you can get your passion into. There is where you will find happiness. I relate so much with you. Thank you. I agree with you. I think having doing something creative, as even if it's a small thing, once in a while, I think it's so rewarding. It's so good. I, th I think if you listen to that episode on creativity, I think people people need to expand their, their mindset onto what constitutes creativity. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be acting. It doesn't have to be writing. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be painting. Um, setting up a birthday party for your children is creative. Podcast, definitely creative. Yeah. Starting a business, definitely creative. So what I don't want people to, to think, and I, and I hear this a lot when I, in this conversation, you probably hear it too, is, Oh, I can never do that. I'm not a creative person. 
that negative self-talk is that's the danger. And that's one of the points of that episode is get, please stop, stop talking to yourself that way. If, if you were really trying to be happy, you, you gotta, you gotta start thinking, well, I can do these things. Let me give it a try. Yes. And you know, I was going to ask you now, what message you would like to leave to our listeners? So please. That's it. That is the, the message is don't ever say to yourself, uh, I'm not a creative person. I can't do, I can't do that. Get that negative talk out of your head. Okay. Like it, you, you gotta, you gotta expand your mind as to what constitutes creativity. Try a lot of things. Believe me, I have tried a lot of things and I'm terrible at most things. No idea how many things I'm terrible at, but I, there are some things that I'm pretty good at and they give me a lot of joy. So it's all about having a curious, um, experiential mindset, and, and that will set you up for success and happiness, in my opinion. Wonderful. Very good. Very wise of words, Rudy. And Fortune Cookie comes out in May 19th. Is that correct? Yes. At that point, that, that's the point where I think... Uh, it should be done with the vast majority of the film festivals. So I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the password, um, password protection off of it, and then it'll just kind of be out in the world. Um, um, it'll be on Vimeo someplace, but I'll send you a link. I think, you, I think you'll really enjoy it. I will, for sure. And when, where can our listeners find your movie, watch it, and find you online as well? Absolutely. On Twitter, it's Sallow Rudy. So S-A-L-O-R-U-D-Y. And right on there, it is my link tree. And right in my link tree, I have a lot of, I have a lot of links in there. There's, there's a link. I don't know if I have a link to Fortune Cookie yet, but I'll probably add one. Uh-huh. I have a link to a movie where I, I won two awards for. Uh, it's a horror film called Curtain Call. It's really good. It's a scary film. And then I have links to some acting reels and some monologues. And I have links to my Forbes website that I write for Forbes. I do a transportation contribution for Forbes and some other talks. So if you click on my link tree, a lot of stuff will be there. Good as in the details. And, you, and that link tree is also on Instagram, RudySS77 uh, at, at, on Instagram. Both of those things, it'll take you to that link tree. And if anybody wants to read any of my articles on transportation, it's just Rudy Sallow, Forbes. Or you could find me on LinkedIn, just type in Rudy Sallow. And yeah, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And I really appreciate this, Lucia. This, is, this has been a phenomenal conversation. And I love what you're doing with the podcast. You're really providing a great voice for, for authors out there uh, globally. And please keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, These Your award made my day. <laughs> uh, this made my day too. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. And Rudy, you have to come back to tell us more stories because you Anytime. are a very good storyteller i get i got a whole bunch of them i got a i got a bunch of good ones and you you tell me when i'll come on i believe me i stories i have <laughs> wonderful wonderful so rudy oh i wish you all the best i wish you success i'm looking forward to watching your movie and you know that the rv is going to visit you again in california I love it. Let me just let me know. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe 
so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.